This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook at the greatest stadium ever created. And it's applicable today with Larry Hagner. He's the CEO and the founder of Dad, the Dad's Edge podcast mastermind business. Welcome to SoFi Stadium. We stole your team, but it's good to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be here, man. I Like I was saying, I've never been on a podcast with a football stadium in the background, so this is pretty darn cool. Yeah, I asked the Guinness Book of World's Record to come out, not because I've done more episodes of this podcast than anyone, because I think I have the biggest waiting room of any office in the world. I would say so. 65,000 people <laughs> right. can wait for me. Yeah. I can't handle them all yet on the podcast, but I'm working <laughs> on it. Uh, thanks for joining. Well, the reason I wanted to have you, besides being a fan of your podcast, is that I think your podcast, out of all the billions or millions of podcasts there are, is the most important to me. And, I, and I'll tell you why, because my most important uh, responsibility, activity, mission, legacy is revolving around being a father. And what I like about your podcast, your mastermind, and you is that being a father isn't just being a parent, it's being a husband. Um, and that's a major distinction that nobody talks about, uh, about being a father. And I've evolved as a father, as a dad myself, and I didn't have the best dad in the world. Um, for you, how have you evolved your own relationship with being a dad? And how has that evolved over these years since you've been in more conversations about being a dad than anyone I know. <laughs> well, you know, you and I share a very similar story. And one, one of the things that when I had you on the dad edge, I just, I, I truly loved having you on because your story was just like, wow, that's powerful. Not, not just because it's powerful, but also because I can relate to it so much. You know, my story is really kind of unique and pretty chaotic. I, my mom and dad were married in 71, had me in 75, my dad left. And then uh, I didn't know him kind of a funny story uh, from the time I was pretty much till about, till about four years old. I still remember this to this day. I remember being in preschool and I remember men coming to pick up their kids and I knew what a dad was. I didn't have a dad. I just had a mom. But in my mind at four years old, I was like, well, moms just go out and they find dads. And my mom hadn't found our shit, but it was no big deal. I didn't really, it didn't really bother me, but I'll never forget the very first time my mom brought a man home that she had been dating and she told me she's like hey i'm gonna have a good friend of mine over for dinner i really want you to meet him he's a special friend and literally at four years old i was like oh my gosh she did it she found the dad sweet <laughs> nice. this guy comes walking in he's wearing a three-piece suit he's got a briefcase you know feathered hair trench coat He was a white collar data software engineer i literally remember him stepping into our home and what it felt like and what it looked like and we shook hands and I just smiled at him. And the very first thing I said is, are you going to be my dad? Nice. And I just remember like the oxygen being sucked out of the room. And, <laughs> and it skid was, marks in the driveway. Right, exactly. <laughs> but uh, they did get married. Oh, they did. They did. That's they were, super cool. They were together for six years. They got divorced when I was 10. But I really started to understand. I was like, well, wait a second. Where did I, where did I even come from? I started asking questions like, well, I know he wasn't my real dad. Where did I come from? My mom was like, well, I was married before him. And you have another dad and I, I had no idea. So a couple years pass and I won't go into detail for the sake Can of time. Can I stop you there just yeah. real quick because something came to mind um, because I'm a parent now Yeah. and I'm blessed to not have to have the challenges that my mom had or your mom had. And yet I'm always struggling with, you know, when 
to discuss certain topics with my children. Looking back, knowing everything you know about being a parent and being a, a father, when do you think the best time for your mom to let you know that you had a dad? You know, was it something that she should have, in your mind, t told you before? You know, at least she brought home the first guy, or was it perfect timing in, for her to tell you? I have never been asked that, and that's such a beautiful question. I would say, you know, my mom was 21 when she first got married and to my biological father, so she was just a kid, and so was he. And I think my mom was doing the best that she possibly could with what she had. I don't know if I would have changed it because looking back on it, I don't even know if I would have understood it. Okay. I probably it's would have been more confused. Yeah. Yeah. But, but continue on. So now so, divorce happened. You divorce know you happens. You missing a dad. Yeah. Missing a dad. I, I was relieved because it was a very toxic relationship, mm -hmm. but I was also like, this sucks at the same time. But a couple of years pass and I accidentally ran into my biological father when I was 12. You mean coincidentally? Coincidentally, the yeah. Serendipitously, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm very specific with my wordings. So. Yeah. <laughs> but he was he was remarried at the time, two-year-old son, another one on the way, and we hung out for like six months. And he came to all my Little League games, and it was right around month five that I noticed things were changing between us. Like he was stressed out, overwhelmed. There's like something heavy on him. The best way I can describe it now that I'm an adult is imagine think of the time you dated a woman and she wasn't into you anymore but she hasn't told you yet but it, you know it's coming you can just tell yeah that's what it felt like and i just remember one time picking up the phone when i was 12 and i was just like hey you know like is everything okay like i just don't understand I, I don't i feel like something's up and it was in that moment he told me he was like it's complicated and i just don't know if i'm ready for this you know I'm, i've started over i've got a new family and this is a lot and so we drift, we completely broke ties. That, that was hard, very, very hard. My mom continued to date. She got married. It was hard because you felt rejected. I did. At a level that nobody could ever describe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if I'm going to be really, you know, in the trenches with it, I kind of gave up. I overate. I gained a lot of weight. I even failed the eighth grade. I failed the eighth grade and yeah. I had to do eighth grade twice. And because um, I'll tell you, my, my dad never... Um, just his disengagement with me yeah. and non-prioritization of me. Um, I, I still have trauma oh, yeah. from like not being worthy. Like when my dad gave me that jacket at 30, which we talked about on the, on the podcast, right? Like my hopes were just re-engaged. Like th there was just like, oh, he gets it now. Like I, there was a healing. And I meet men in their 60s and 70s that still have the same feelings that you and I share. Yeah. I, you know, it's... <clears throat> I'll jump ahead here for a second and I can come back to it. I have four boys, but one of them is 15. I have 16, 15, 9, and 7. And my 15-year-old actually asked me a question here recently because my dad and I actually reunited by, by serendipitously Again, yeah. when I was 30. And it was only because it was 18 years later. I was in a Starbucks for a business meeting. He came walking in to get his coffee. And we reunited. And that was 17 years ago. We, we still have a relationship to this day. You know, I, I see him probably at least once a month. I have two younger half brothers. He's still married to the same woman. I make him sound, you know, like he's a guy who doesn't have his stuff together, but he's a very successful entrepreneur. He's a good father, you know, to his two boys and, and me now. Um, but the fascinating thing about all this is that my boys know the story of this, right? Especially my older ones. And we were getting ready to go over there for Christmas this past year. And my boys rarely ask anything about it. My 15 year old 
we call him the observant ninja because he's, <laughs> he sees and hears all, but he just doesn't, he, and he'll only ask you a question if he's been brewing on it. And we told him we were going, and we we're like, we're going over to my dad's today. And he just looked at me and he goes, do you even like going over there? And I'm like, I was just, I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Why? And he goes, why? And I was like, I don't know. He's, he's my dad. You know, we share time together. He's your grandpa, you know, that kind of thing. And he's like, but doesn't it ever get to you? Like the, what you went through with him and like he left like not once, but twice. And I was like, and I knew where he was going. I said, you know what, Mason? I said, that's a great question. I appreciate you asking that. I said, but you reach an age, I think, where you're like, I can either hold a grudge and that's like drinking poison and hoping yeah. the other person dies. Or I can just be like, where is this? How, how beautiful can we make this relationship and forgiveness, right? And uh, I said, but you know what? I said, you know who really has to carry the biggest burden here is him. I was like, I couldn't imagine carrying that around my entire life, knowing that I left you and the boys and, and your mom, that would absolutely destroy me. I was like, but it was kind of a fascinating thing to see that 15 year old go through a question like that. So, yeah. You, you know, I talk about one of the epiphanies in my life and paradigm shifts was having faith that there's something bigger than me that loved me more than my mom. And I've never thought about it in the inverse, what it would feel like, you know, to be the mom and, and have to make those types of decisions or to be the dad who loves you more. Only, it's just innate in our being that a parent protects and promotes their child and have totally. to, to make those choices and it does have to do with our age in order to, you know, have that forgiveness. And I will say that one of the things that, you know, not everyone's had the same experiences that we have, but I think whether it's your mom or your dad, that in order to be a better mom or a dad, you, ha you have to learn forgiveness from your relationship with your mom and your dad. Agreed. Right. And no matter how lucky you had it, there's this realm of ignorant arrogance of being a parent that we are so afraid for our children more than for ourselves that we're going to give bad advice and make bad choices because there's no relationship that carries more fear than a parent to a child. I agree. And it's so difficult to understand that. Um, but let's take a step back now too, because yeah. uh, your stories are incredible and the lessons are even better. So now you, uh, at that stage of your life, when does it come relevant, you know, to make it your mission to help people understand the blessing of being a parent? So I think it, it came full, full circle. It's actually, again, serendipitous that I'm talking to you of all people, because over the years through podcasting, I call it a Jerry, Mag my Jerry Maguire moment, <laughs> That's a great, right? <laughs> right? That's which great. is so crazy to be here talking to you. And, and I've referred to that for years, you know, when I got married, I was like, my wife, I'm going to be married one time. That was my goal. And my kids are, I'm going to be so involved with my kid's life. It's not even funny. That was my goal. Now, what I can tell you is the majority of the time I was falling flat on my face. <laughs> I, I wasn't being abusive like how I grew up. I wasn't calling my kids names, but I kind of did fatherhood and husbandhood from like out here, right? Kind of like an arm's length. If I don't get too close, I can't screw it up too bad. That's a, it's really yeah, yeah. weird thinking. So honest, though, by the way. It, right? So yeah. Good. 
but there was, and I also made a promise to myself, I'm never going to hit my kids out of anger because I was a lot. Yeah. And well, the good thing about today, you just take their phone, right? That's, right. You just take their phone. You it's are. Like, let me yeah. just tell you this: you're an idiot if you hit your kids. <laughs> just buy them the best phone you can afford <laughs> and take that sucker away. They'd rather you cut off their arm right. than take their phone. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but you know this this whole journey of of reinventing what it means to be a good husband and father. Like I had a laundry list of things that I knew I wasn't going to do, but that's like going to home Depot, buying a barbecue pit and the, the instructions are like, here's a hundred ways not to put this together. Best of luck. <laughs> you know, just, you'll figure it out. So at the time, my 15 year old was four, about 10 years ago. Um, my Jerry Maguire moment was this. Um, I had a really bad day at work. I was always short on patience as a dad and he stepped out of line as any four-year-old would, and I spanked him. It was a knee-jerk reaction. I, I swatted him on the butt, but I swatted him, and he fell. And as soon as, he, as soon as he fell, I was like, oh, my God, what did I just do? And I went to go pick him up, and he, he, he looked at me <clears throat> like I was a monster. And in that moment, I didn't see my son. I saw me and how I grew up. And that was the Jerry Maguire moment because what I did was it was late, it was dark. I flipped open my laptop. I was looking through Facebook so I was so upset. And I was just scrolling, just trying to forget everything I did, just looking at other people's life. And I saw this button in the corner that said create a page. And I hit that button, I never created a page. And the words of the Good Dad Project just rolled off my mind and onto that keyboard. And I just, it was that moment that I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm tired of not knowing what I'm doing. And I started looking at different elements in my life. I was good at sales because I was trained in that. I was good at fitness because I, I got an undergrad degree in that. Um, and I started looking at, the, well, why am I good at these things? It's, I'm good at them or decent at them because I was trained in it. Like I learned skills to do it, not one for fatherhood and parenting. So that's when I decided this is going to be a platform of absolute total learning of what it means to be a good husband, a good father, um, a good man. And literally that is what the past, that's why the podcast exists. It was because I wanted to have conversations with people like yourself that were smarter than me that I could learn from. It's like having a front row seat to the most valuable education and to put this all and put a bow on this whole thing. I've been able to learn so many tactical things and skills that have elevated my marriage. I've been married now this year will be 20 years. I have four amazing boys. Um, I would say my batting average is, you know, seven out of 10. It used to be two out of 10. I still fall flat on my face, you know, make mistakes, but oh my gosh, it's so much better than what it used to be. And you know, I have a, a saying that applies to fatherhood and it brings more clarity. You know, the things that are simple to do, unfortunately are simple not to do. Oh yeah. It's well said. Right. And it's so much about being a father that, you know, I started holding on early in my fatherhood. I made lists of things I wish my father would have said to me. So that was a great exercise because I figured, you know, it's as we both get emotional because it, it still impacts you, right? Like my dad never said he was proud of me. Right. Never. Yeah. From the day, even when we reunited, uh, you know, I don't know if it was internally a competition with me or whatever. And so like, I made that number one, that every day I tell my kids, I'm so proud of you. He never said he loved me. So every day, right? And then he didn't have my back. 
I know you know what that feels like. Yeah. And so I wrote those three things down. I said, you know, every day, you know, I'm going to tell my kids that I'm proud of them, I love them, and I have your back. The three things that I know that I miss the most. Then, as advice, it came to, hey, my expectation. Like, I always thought, you know, I, I had to do exactly what my parents wanted. So I simplified it. All my expectation is I want you to do your best, learn lessons, and have fun. You, you got, you're nervous about a test. Hey, remember what my expectation is. I expect you to do your best. I expect you to learn lessons from this, and I want you to have fun with it. And those little things that I wrote down changed my simple things to do are unfortunately simple not to do. What's something through all the podcasts you do, your mastermind, everything that you're involved with, what is another simple thing that I could be doing or somebody else could be doing in the realm of just simple mantras or things that we could say or do that have huge impact like those six things have had on my children and on me? Well, first of all, I just want to reflect back as, as you say that. I think if you come from a background like you and I do, I, I got misty-eyed just hearing you say that because I was like, man, I would have loved hearing that <laughs> growing <laughs> up. Yeah, that's, it hit me in the heart big time. I would say if I were to really give this like a, a global view of to really take the pressure valve off what men feel, it's this. Look at anything that you do great in your life, career, maybe you played sports. You always had a team, a coach, people around you that helped you, you know, pivot when you needed to. David, I don't know what the deal is, and I don't even know how this even started, <laughs> but somewhere along the lines, as soon as you became a husband and father, you have to live life alone and best of luck figuring it out. And if you ask for help at any point in time, you're weak and you're less than a man because you don't have your stuff together. What I will tell you is that being a good husband and father, it's a skill. It's so many of us think that like, man, like this must come naturally to me. And if I, if it doesn't come naturally to me, well then I'm less than. So I think it's most important for men to be like, Oh, so wait, I don't have to have it all figured out. Like I can actually learn how to do this and it's okay. Yes, man. It's absolutely okay. In fact, it's one of the most freeing and most surrendering things to be like, uh, you know, this is my first day doing this. And the last thing I'll say is this, my 16 year old and I were talking on the phone last night and dad had a bad day a few days ago on Sunday and I was crabby and curt and this kind of, and I apologize to the whole family. And, and we were just talking about this dad stuff and I was telling him about me being on this show. And he's like, you know, what, how do you feel about always talking about this dad stuff and all that? And I was like, I feel like a student still. Yeah. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, Ethan, I was like, today you're 16 years old, 11 months and three days. Today was my first day raising a 16 year old, 11 months and three days. And tomorrow will be my first day raising a 16 year old, 11 months and four days. I don't have this figured out, but I'm willing to to learn and grow kind of like exactly what you said, I think is a perfect way to put a bow on it is do your best, learn lessons, have fun. It reminds me of that book. Uh, I think little teammate, right? Yeah. 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 yeah I love that book. My six year old loves that book, but I think that if you can encapsulate that attitude towards fatherhood and being a husband, man, the pressure valve just gets released big time. Yeah. I think also looking for what we want in our children, not for what we don't want. The same in our oh marriage. Yeah. That changed my marriage first. Yeah. And then I applied it to, to to my kids. You know, I used to come home 
doing everything I could for my family all day long and I'd see, you know, shoes on the staircase and instead of expressing how I felt all day long, right, I looked for what I didn't want and I got more of what I didn't want and I was wondering why, why is this not working? Why am I not a good husband? Why am I not a good dad? Because I was always looking for what I didn't want and as soon as I started switching that, all right, last question because we're running out of time. I'm very pragmatic in, in what I do and you know, I want to learn. That's why I'm the Napoleon Hill, like you, of podcasting. Anyone that does over a thousand, you're Napoleon Hill, except for we have a lot better uh, technology that allows us to have more conversations and learn from better and brighter people, as you suggested. I think being present today as a parent in, is really difficult because of the phones and the games. Totally. And so I'm always looking for hacks. And I, I have one and I want yeah. you to, I'm going to share mine. Please, yeah. you can share yours. So I think the number one dad hack is like as an activity that is the only thing I could find that both parties, me and my 12-year-old son, 100% of the time you have to be present. There's no conversations with anyone else. There's no phones or in, anything that, that gets us off track, right? That the, the incredible activity with the son especially, just one-on-one, -on -one, and there's only focus on each other, ping pong. Ping oh, pong is the greatest. Yes. It's the I play, I'm a ping pong, at, I have a ping pong champ hat that nice. I share back and forth with my son. We pro, I, I always have minimums. I spend a minimum of 30 minutes a day with my son every day, seven days a week, whether I'm on FaceTime or in person. That's, I believe in the consistent, persistent, because that was one thing I was missing as well. And it aggregates on itself. But ping pong, bro, it's the most present game in the world. You cannot yeah. focus on anything but the other yeah. person in, in the game. And so do you have something that you do that you've learned that is you know, your go-to as far as when we're not feeling connected to our children? Totally. Well, first of all, I doubled down on the ping pong. So I bought a ping pong table for Christmas. Nice. And we just... I, I'm surprised to think it's only a month old, but I'm surprised it's not worn down yet. But right. I love that. Um, it has definitely brought us together in a huge way. Um, so I actually just developed a training around this. I didn't even know you were going to ask this question, but it's actually on our website right on the homepage. It's called full presence training. So whether you have a daughter or a son, like, and I, ha I did this on my own. It was about a year ago. And I, I realized it didn't matter if I didn't have a phone or not or whatever, it was almost like I couldn't shut the hamster wheel off. I'd be sitting there with my nine-year-old, you know, reading him a book or he's I reading me a book. That. And I was just like, to do, to do, emails, texts, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta do this tomorrow, I got this going. And I'm like, why can I not be present, right? It's kind of like the focusing on what you don't want. So the training that I do is, it's called the four senses training. Use your, scent of, use your sense of sight, touch, smell. It's not always a pleasant thing, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But what, and, and so like, for instance, so I just sat there as my son read this book and I just was like, what's the color of his hair? What is the color of his eyes? Like, what does he sound like at nine years old? This little voice, what does he sound like? And really taking that in. Right. And then if, you know, if he was up against me, like I put my arm around him and I'm like, man, like he's nine. And I know full well, we're having a, you know, 16, 15 year old it's going to be like this soon. Right. So I'm like, I'm really going to take this in of what it feels like to have my nine year old on my lap with my arm around him, you know, his head resting on me. Um, you know, this, his, his hair smells like bubble gum because of the weird shampoo he uses and stuff like that. But what it did was is using those four out of five senses. So sight, sound, um, touch and smell smells not the best always, but, but what that does is when you leverage those senses, even just having a conversation with somebody, 
you are just in your boots. Like you can't help but be in your boots. You can't focus on anything else because you're leveraging those senses to be there. And it's a beautiful thing because it really helps you just encapsulate the entire moment. It, it's really cool. I do that with my wife as well. And it really helps. I love that because I talk about five levels of intention and utilization of that in all relationships, especially with our wives and our children. And it's not just what you say, do, think, believe. It's being able to express your genius, which is expression of God, of how you feel the highest level of intention. So utilizing four or five levels of senses to feel. And it's what Angelo said as we finish up. You know, it's not what we say to our children. Yeah. It's how we make them feel. Yeah. And that's what they're going to remember. And so, you know, I always say my kids don't listen to me. I have 23, 21, 18, and 12, and none of them listen to me but they watch me and I know I make them feel good yeah. every day. I make them feel safe. I make them feel inspired. I make them feel the way that I want to feel. Uh, and I wanted to feel as a child and I'm not successful all the time as well. I'm still batting, you know, 700 or so like you, but we're going to continue to improve and hopefully help other people improve and they'll help us improve. Larry Hagner, he is the dad's edge expert. He has a community of people who are there to help each other and know people that can help each other. It's that simple. Join the Dad's Edge community, the mastermind. Listen to the podcast. There's over a thousand episodes of people sharing their mindset, heart set, and hand set are the most important job in the world, being a dad. Thanks for joining me here. Thank you. At the Rams <laughs> Stadium. <laughs> Rub that in. <laughs> SoFi Stadium, the home of the Los Angeles Rams, formerly the St. Louis Rams. What a pleasure to have you. You are the Marshall Falk of being a dad. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Take care. This is Dave Meltzer with the Entrepreneurs, the Playbook.